prospects into my team. Herb Kelleher, you know, founding CEO of Southwest Airlines, one of his quotes, which I love, is this. The customer is not always right, which that's totally contrary to what you always hear. The customer's always right. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. The podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this podcast, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. And when you go to myexperiencedrealtor.com at the top right of that landing page, you're going to see a little link that says podcast. Click that podcast button. You can go down to download any and all episodes from your favorite platforms, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. You can even click the read more to find out about the particular guest for that episode, like today, Don Williams. How you doing, Don? I'm good, Jeremy. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm really excited about this episode. You've actually played a very big impact in my life in my EO journey. And for the audience, that is Entrepreneur's Organization. And we're going to dive into that and many other things. But my father-in-law says I'm going to start every one of these off with a joke. Bring it on. I think I got one for the nature of us being entrepreneurs. You ready? You bet. Why do clowns make bad entrepreneurs? I, I don't know. Why do clowns make bad entrepreneurs? Because they're into some funny business. As as many of us are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just waiting for him to just call me and just go, you can stop doing the jokes now. And then I'm going to have to continue them so that way it drives them nuts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Don Williams, tell us about you, Don. Where are you from? Are you from Texas? I'm not from Texas. I'm one of those people who I wasn't born here but got here as fast as I could. And uh, I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. And both my mother and father are the first generation off the farm. And so my grandparents were wheat farmers in North Dakota, southern Kansas, and northern Oklahoma. And so I'm, I'm a long way from Kansas. Me and, me and Toto have traveled a ways and I love Kansas, but I'm, I'm a long way from the farm. But that is where I started. That is, that makes complete sense because... When I think of you, I do think of you like a tornado. You are going to breach into any environment that you want, whether people like it or not. And the amount of success that has followed you in doing that is absolutely phenomenal. So before we get started in understanding more, let's talk about something you and I are very passionate about, entrepreneurs' organization. For the audience, what is entrepreneurs' organization? I'm glad you asked. So Jeremy and I know each other because of Entrepreneurs Organization, and EO is an organization, a nonprofit that promotes entrepreneurship, but primarily by promoting entrepreneurs. And so 33-year-old organization, 14,000-plus members literally around the world. I think we have members on every continent but Antarctica, and, and we're working on that. And we're both members in the Fort Worth chapter, live in the Fort Worth, Texas area, and best chapter in all of EO. All of EO. All of EO, yes. And, and so primarily what EO offers to entrepreneurs is peer-to-peer 
experiences, peer-to-peer learning, okay, because I can learn from you even though you're in the real estate business and at the top of your game, okay, at the top of the real estate business, I can still learn from that even though I'm not in the real estate business. I'm in the coaching and the help people make an extra million dollars business and most people can learn, you know, from that. And so we we have peer-to-peer learning, okay, where we're all equal. And then we have access, we provide access to experts that the average entrepreneur would find difficult, maybe even impossible. Okay, so I've met Damon John from Shark Tank and FUBU, Mark Cuban, the founders of XTO Energy, a little company very big here in Fort Worth, you know, when they sold to Exxon, I think about 35 billion with a B and Victoria Medvac at Kellogg University and and on and on and on and on. I know we have Marcus Lemonis coming up pretty soon. And and so access to people that the average entrepreneur probably cannot or would find difficult to to have a conversation with. And and so we what I've learned most in EO is this. I joined EO to improve my businesses, and that has happened tenfold. But what I really learned is that by the easiest way for me to improve my business is for me to improve me. And, and just like all boats ride higher in a full lake, my business life, my family life, my personal life functions better when I'm better. And all of us have, you know, some area that we can improve. And so that's what EO is. What? You mean we're not me. perfect? Well, what? Now, we don't have now, issues. Now, some of us, you know, <laughs> uh, are close, but others of us are not. And so, but it's amazing. The 14,000 plus people that are in EO are all raving fans of EO. It's, it's a very unusual organization. It's like that, a cult. Uh, uh, well, mm, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it, it, it's, it's, if, if you're an entrepreneur, and, and I don't care if you're a, a guy or gal who got laid off and, and you went home and pulled the mower out and you went down the street and started mowing yards to pay your cable bill, or if you own an oil and gas exploration company, it, it makes no difference. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to love the people that you're going to meet in EO. And maybe for the first time in your life, you'll say, I have found my tribe. I know at my first event that I went to, I turned to my wife, Lita, and said, they don't know me, and I'm not sure they'll like me, but these are my people. And and I think you'd probably echo the same oh, yeah. sentiment. And the one thing, we have many things in common, but certainly one of the things we have in common is we both outpunted our coverage when it comes to spouses, didn't we? We, we absolutely did. Lita, listen to that. I agreed <laughs> that, that I, I married way up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And for the audience, not only are Don and I in EO, and not only are we in the best chapter of Fort Worth, but you and I are in the same forum. Yeah, we are. And so a forum in EO, the way I like to explain a forum is this. A forum is like a small group in a church, but it's not church. And so it's our forum is nine members, and we meet once a month for four hours and take a trip once a year 
and we work on helping each other really find our own path to improvement. It's not, EO is not a, you should do this type of place. It's like, hmm, I, I, can t- I can share a story about my life and what I did in a situation like that, or when when I was the maybe I maybe I wasn't affecting the situation. Maybe the situation was affecting me, and so very open. And, and I'll give a little so that there is a there are regular test drives, online test drives, where if you are an entrepreneur, you can attend an, an EO event for free online or depending on where you live in maybe in the city where you live. And you could reach out to Jeremy and he could connect you with whoever you need to talk to to do that. Yeah. And uh, so forum is something special, right? And the one of the magical things in there is everybody's in a different business, right? Yes. And that's what adds to the diversity of learning from everybody else and we have what's called getting to the 5%, right? Tell us about getting to the 5%. Well, the 5%. So in EO, we believe that the 5% of your life that is phenomenal, that you're uncomfortable sharing with other people, there's 5% over there that is so good, you just don't feel comfortable telling anybody. And so, you know, maybe you made $600,000 in the stock market last month, and there's just nobody you can tell. Okay. And then on the other side, there's the 5% part of your life that you're probably least proud of and have regret and hopefully not shame. But many people, that's where shame lives is in that bottom 5% and just public service announcement. If, if you're battling with shame in your life, reach out to Jeremy or reach out to me and we won't be able to help you, but we'll be able to help you find a resource to help you because it's, that's a horrible thing to have to deal with. But in EO and in Forum, we try and live only in the 5%. So the 90%, the stuff in the middle, well, EO believes that you have resources. You have a spouse, you have friends, you have clergy, you have attorneys, you have accountants, you have advisors, you may have a board of directors, and they can help you with all of those areas of your life. But the 5% that is glorious, okay, that you're uncomfortable sharing with other people, you can share in EO and nobody's going to be like, oh, Jeremy made $600,000 and I didn't. That's not going to be anybody's reaction. And the areas where maybe you feel negatively towards, they're going to help with that. And as there's no judgment in EO or forum, you know, you're going to feel comfortable to share. And and it's not uh, therapy, but I, I was on the phone with an EO member this week, and, and I said, you know, forum is not therapy. And together we said, but it is therapeutic because it's good to talk about things. It's good to, you know, as an entrepreneur, just as a person, you know, you probably heard someone say at some point or another, Use your words. And it's important to use your words, to verbalize your thoughts, and, and that will help you improve whatever area, every area of your life you're trying to improve. That was a long answer to a short <laughs> question. Sorry, Jeremy. And everything you talk about in forum is confidential. 
everything in EO yeah. is is confidential because you can't really have that degree of authenticity, okay, which, you know, authenticity requires uh, vulnerability and both and courage requires both of those. And so Dr. Brene Brown, University of Houston, very popular, smart, smart, smart lady. She tells a story. She, she's a consultant to most of the U.S. Special Forces. And she tells a story where she was working with the SEAL teams. And, and she asked the leaders of each team, tell me a time when you have seen courage with no vulnerability. And, of course, the answer was never. Okay, because it can't really be courage. If you know the outcome, that's not really courage. Maybe bravado. I may speak really loud and and enthusiastically and people say, oh, he's brave. But if I know how it's going to work out, that's not really courage. It can't be courage without vulnerability. And you can't be authentic without vulnerability either. And so in my own EO journey, so I'm a 35-year entrepreneur. I've been in EO seven years. And the previous 28 years, you know, I've started multiple companies and exited some companies. And I probably hadn't asked anybody anything meaningful in a long time. And so, but when I, when I joined EO and saw the value of talking with other people and being vulnerable, okay, and, and the growth that happens out of that. So like, here's my, here, from the book of Dawn, okay, here's, here's my number one growth principle is this. Everybody has a comfort zone. Okay. And we like it. It's comfortable. I love my lazy boy. Okay. I don't have a lazy boy, but if I had one, I'd love it. Okay. And the reason we stay in our comfort zones is duh, it's comfortable. Okay. The problem is the good stuff for you in your life is outside your comfort zone. And it takes a little courage, meaning you won't know the outcome Okay, and you have to step outside of your comfort zone. But here's law one of comfort zone physics. As you exit your comfort zone, I'm going to say that again, exit your comfort zone. Take it as a suggestion, a command, a share, however you like, but exit your comfort zone. As you exit your comfort zone, your comfort zone expands. And the next time you exit your comfort zone, your comfort zone expands, and so on and so forth. And you'll get to the point to where you will intentionally exit your comfort zone every day, and you'll get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's where the good stuff is, business, family, or personal. It's outside that comfort zone. So, and I don't need to talk about the topics of what but I think you and I agree that in December of 2020, I probably got to some 5% in our meeting. No doubt. Yeah. And talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and being a Marine. All right. We, we live in that zone of comfortable with uncomfortable. But the impact that it had on me, because it's not just learning what you can do to be better in business, but it's being a better person. Right. And, and I had some, well, let's just call it baggage. As we all do. Right. You, you know, you can't live life and not accumulate some baggage. Yeah. You know, to 
Wisdom comes from making good choices. Good choices come from experience, and experience comes from bad choices. And so no one um, can get through life without some baggage. Now, there's a, a current philosopher. I love her work. She works with a mouse in Orlando, Florida, and and she wrote this song that I think all of us should adopt as our theme song. And her name was, she's one of those, she's so big she only has one name, you know, like Cher and Madonna. Her, her name is Elsa. And she wrote this song in, or sings this song in the movie Frozen, and the title of the song is Let It Go. And, and probably all of us, and, 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 and I, I love some of these maybe not mainstream philosophers, but but that's a good concept. Let it go. I, I quoted something the other day, and, and I've used it for years, that everyone, I don't care who you are, you are far better, far smarter, far stronger than you think. And that's true of all humans. I believe that in my core, that everyone is far better, far smarter, and far stronger than they think. And then... I was reading not very current philosopher and and I and I realized where I got that I didn't that was an original thought I kind of thought it was but it wasn't but the first person who talked about that was a bear named Winnie the Pooh and and so I'm sure I got that when my youngest was of the age that we were reading Winnie the Pooh but good stuff because you are far better far smarter far stronger than you think if you had told me five years ago that I was going to sit in a room with some guys and dive into the 5% that I dove into for that particular topic, I'd have been like, with them, no way, no how, not going to happen. Uh-uh. Nope, nope. They wouldn't understand in the first place. The results were impactful to the point that my wife noticed a difference in me. And that's really what's important to folks as family. So it had a big impact. And so I just want to say thank you and thank you to the rest of the guys in our forum because it helped me gain clarity to a level of 2021. Bring it, right? And I like to joke around now saying – 2021 is really 2020's younger, more annoying brother who just turned legal drinking age because 2020 <laughs> ain't over. It's just his younger brother just showed up, right? Yeah, right. And we don't know. And I think 2020 taught us is we really don't know what to expect and that the world can change at the drop of a pin. And, and it's not about dealing with the world that changed, but dealing with yourself and what you're going to do to adapt or move on or move forward or move out of what your current conditions are, right? I think most of us have just learned to be agile. Yes. And and on behalf of our group, I'll say you're welcome, but also thank you because when people share, hopefully they have some benefit in doing that, but the people that are being shared with also have some benefit. And EO, just to kind of sum it all up, it's 14,000 plus people around the world trying to improve their their personal lives, their family lives, and their businesses. And, and they're trying to help each other do the same thing. And that's the cool part of it. 
is it's not just you trying to improve you. It's us trying to help you and you trying to help me. And what's that Beatles song with a little help for my friends? And, and so if, if you're an entrepreneur, I don't care if you just started out with your mower, okay, or you have a $100 million a year business. If you want help, okay, check out EO. Yeah, and for me, what it delivered was this. When I left the Marine Corps, I left a level of trust that outside of my wife, right, I have been searching for, and that's what happens with a lot of folks that separate out of the military, is they're, they're missing that camaraderie, that brotherhood, sisterhood, however we want to call that nowadays. But that level of trust that I would fictitiously find it in the wrong places. Now, I've got some very good friends that I do trust. But to be around a team of people, right? You got individuals that you trust. Like I could trust I have a one-on-one conversation with you, 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 you. But to be in a room, a team of people was literally almost to the date, 24 years after I got out of the Marine Corps in 1996, to now sitting there in December of 2020, I found it and it made a difference. It wasn't just being able to get some things off my chest. It wasn't just being able to listen to some experience shares and everything else. It was actually more of when I walked out of there as I went, I haven't had that in 24 years. Mm. And it was the thing that I was willing to die for Mm -hmm. and had a lot of friends die and a lot of friends come back hurt, real hurt. And I finally, after almost two and a half decades, had it sitting right there. And it wasn't my first meeting. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was gifted with the ability to come to y'all's forum. And after being in it, I think that was my six-month mark is what that was. Actually, it was my sixth because we meet once a month. And having that feeling was just so impactful that I was just like, for the very first time in a long time, I just really didn't feel alone. And I'm not taking anything away from my wife. Like my wife doesn't make me feel alone. I got friends that don't make me feel alone. You know, I I have all these things. But in that team setting, right, that teamwork, I felt that. And we were going to have a forum meeting today. And that's actually, so you're getting a preview of what I'm going to share today with everybody else (laughs) without disclosing a lot. But that was what it gave me. And I've been in EO for a couple of years. I was with another forum. And then when I got to come to the forum that we're in now, I literally couldn't believe that I got the nod to come because I see everybody in our forum as titans. I have that level of respect, that level of admiration for the people in our forum of just like, I get to, I'll never forget is when you guys gave the ominous dominus to it. And I told Laura, I said, I get to go be in this forum. And I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I literally live by saying of it's better to be lucky than smart. And I've been lucky so many times <laughs> in my life. And I was like, I really hit the lottery and got lucky on this. I really appreciate all of y'all letting me become a part of this. And I knew when we led up to December 2020's forum is, hey, you know, if I'm going to be a part of this, I can't play any reindeer games here. I, it's my turn to go to 5%. Because if you're listening to everybody else's and you're not diving into yours, it's like, wait, why did, how did, why did we approve this guy being here? And so I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to go big, go big or go home. And I felt like that was a big one. And, man, it was just amazing. 
but we're happy to have and EO is a brother slash sister memberhood all around the globe. And if, like I said, if you're an entrepreneur, look it up, reach out to Jeremy, reach out to me, no pressure, no harm, no foul. We'll get you some information and you know, you can see what you think. Yeah. And that's for the audience, how Don and I got to know each other, how we're connected. Now let's dive into some Don Williams. So come from Kansas, get to Texas as fast as you can. At what age would you say that you knew you were being an entrepreneur was the only path you were going to go down? I'm going to say 11. Okay. I'm 60. (laughs) And so, so things back that far are a little fuzzy, but my first paying job was driving a John Deere propane tractor, big green tractor with a disc, pulling a disc, which is the implement that and it has a bunch of discs on it and it and it helps turn the soil. And when you farm wheat, the combines, when they're harvesting the wheat, they enter the field and they're moving back and forth, kind of like a typewriter. And when they get about 30 minutes or an hour ahead of you, you enter the field and you begin turning the soil. So literally the day that you're harvesting a year's worth of crop, you're beginning to pl- to prepare for next year. Okay. There's no delay. And so that's a filthy hot, you know, the, there's dust and chaff. And, you know, if you ate today, thank a farmer, it's hard work. Okay. And so that was my first job and my first paying job back then kids mowed the yard, their parents didn't pay them. You know, it was mowed the yard or, you know, suffer the consequences. But my first paying job was driving a John Deere tractor. And on the very first day I learned then Two things. One, farming was really, really hard work. And two, I was going to have to do something that was not really, really hard work because I didn't like it. And so I knew then that I wanted to have, uh, I didn't maybe didn't know how, but I knew I wanted to have a very strong income. And, and so then at 19, graduated from high school, entering Wichita State University, go Shockers. I, I, took a job in a meatpacking plant. So like if you can think of the movie Rocky where Rocky's, you know, jabbing the side of beef. So in that type of environment, and I had a friend who had taken a job. I don't think this company's around anymore, but it was named, it was called Fuller Brush. And literally this company went door to door and they sold brushes and cleaning supplies and kind of an Amway type thing, but door to door. And I thought he was crazy, but he took another job, sales job, and he called me one night and he said, hey, I made $600 last week. Now, this was 1978, so that's like totally different than $600 today. And we're 18 years old. And so I went to my supervisor, said, I'm giving my notice. I'm going to take another job. He said, thank you for your notice. Goodbye. He didn't want my notice, and I went and got a job as a part-time salesperson. Now, what did I know about selling? I could spell it, but that's about <laughs> it. And and so, but within, I, I think, nine months, less than a year, I, be, I was the top salesman in the entire country out of 450 salespeople. And then that company did what a lot of companies do, which isn't always wise. They promoted me from best salesman in the company to sales manager. Many times when a company does that, 
they lose their best salesperson, and they get not great manager. It worked out for them. It took me about six or eight months to become the top sales manager in the country, and not just the kind of sales manager who gave the most numbers and the most dollars, which I did, but also that would promote a new sales manager about once a quarter. Okay, And as a leader, you have to ask yourself, are you really leading if you're not building other leaders? And let you figure out the answer to that. There's a lot of people who think they're leaders that aren't developing other leaders. And probably that's part of the role is to bring other people along with you. And so I did that for several years, worked my way into partnership with the owner of the company. And I was a young kid. I was 21, 22 years old. And we had a disagreement. And so I left. And I was a good salesperson. I didn't know why I was a good salesperson. I just knew that people liked to buy from me and I liked to let them. And, and I like to do it in quantity. So over and over every day. And, uh, and that works. So a little bit like the bumblebee who doesn't know he can fly, you know, aerodynamically can't fly, but, but does. And I didn't realize that nothing about me was special for selling. So I just went and sold a lot of stuff. And so my next employment was I went to work for a home builder selling new homes. And so this was the kind of deal. And, you know, Jeremy's in the real estate business, big in the real estate business. So I got a job selling new homes. And it was the kind of place where there was a couple model homes and people would come in and maybe you had a spec house or two you could show. But most of the time you're showing them dirt. They're picking a lot. They're picking a floor plan, which they haven't actually seen that house. Okay, and then they're picking their colors and their exterior, their elevation, and all that stuff. And so way back, now remember this is 100 years ago, but realtors, okay, would come into the office and they had a little medallion on their jacket, okay, and I knew what it was, but I'm kind of ornery and kind of smart aleck, can't help it. And I'd be like, so what is that? And they're like, I am a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable which very few agents back at that time were able to do that. And so today that'd be very easy. You know, you sell one house, sell half a house, you know, whatever. But back then it was hard. Money was, was different. And, and, and so it was an, an outward notification, a badge of prestige. And so the smart Alec in me would be like, wow, I sold that last month. <laughs> and so, so, you know, I, I think the first month I sold 17 homes and they, you know, when they were training me, they said, so people will come out and you'll show them and then they'll go away and they'll come back in a couple of days and you'll talk with them. And like, it's like two or three different times that you meet with them before they buy. And I was like, weird, why? You know, if we're here and if they like it, why do we do the second and third step? And so I, I got really good at helping people make a choice on their first visit. And so instead of two or three visits, I found it took about two or three hours you know, to sell a house. And boy, that really shortened the cycle. So I did that for a while. And that was my last employment before I started my own company. And started my own company at 26 was a huge, horrible failure for a couple of years. Not a failure. I had a two-year failing. People aren't failures. People have failings. And, and I went from making just a ton of money working for somebody else to making no money. And I used to joke about it, things were so lean. If you wanted a second helping of air, you can have it because we got lots, but we don't have much else. And, and then after a couple of years, figured it out. You know, entrepreneurs are the kind of people that 
won't work 40 hours for somebody else for pay, but will work 120 hours for themselves for nothing. And so part of being successful in business is just don't quit. Keep going. You'll figure it out. Don't do things the same way you used to do them. Try a different way. And so figured it out, built that company to 22 locations, no outside capital, no partners. And, and then exited that company a long time ago and was really blessed out of that. And since that time, I've, I've had a bunch of different companies. My longest the company I've owned the longest is in the contact center business. So we do phone calls, inbound and outbound phone calls, typically for Fortune 500 companies. You know, when you call, when you call American Express, okay, you know, platinum and black card holders are talking to an employee at American Express, but green card holders are probably talking to a contractor. So a company that's providing that service and they're just, they're acting like American Express. They're just not American Express. And so I, I've been in that business now for 30 some years. And in that business used to drive me crazy because we work for so many different kinds of companies and have to learn so many different types of things. But it's turned out to be our strongest asset. Today, we've worked with over 300 of the Fortune 500 across every industry you can imagine. And, and so we know a little more than a little about a lot of things. And many times when we are in discussions with a new client, it's like, oh, yeah, we know something about that because we've done something either that exact campaign or something like that for somebody else in their space. And so that's what, what there's maybe a lesson in there. What I thought was the biggest pain in my side has turned out to be probably our strongest asset. So sometimes those problems are in fact, have huge benefits later on down the line. Then partially in EO, about probably five years ago, I, I wanted to write a book. And as you can tell, I'm wordy. I'm a talker. Jeremy's going to cut me off here in a little bit. He's going to be like, you're done. Shut up. <laughs> you're making my job easy, man. <laughs> so, so I want to write a book. And and I, I'm not proud of this, but it's the truth. I wrote this book titled The Do-It-Yourself DIY Outbound Contact Center Toolbox. And so it's a book that if you needed an outbound contact center operation for your business, you could buy this book and... It would teach you enough to where you could get up and going, you'd be productive, and you'd be compliant. And both of those are very important. But I wrote it from kind of a dark spot in my heart. Our sales team would spend time with unqualified prospects, people that were not our prospects for what we do. And, and I was irritated. So I said, I'm going to write the book. And then when you have someone who isn't qualified for someone else but not qualified for us, you just send them the book. Okay. And you can quit talking to them. And, and so that's why I wrote it. And what I found is that people we sent the book to many times call back later and say, we'd like to hire you to do it. You know, kind of a accidental byproduct of doing that. It took, it's, it's only about a 64 page book. It's really short. It took me about a year. I'm not, a, I sat down at a keyboard to write the book and, you know, nothing happened. And I had a lot of days where nothing happened. And so it took forever. And it was kind of like my brain had a baby. It was messy. I said some unkind things. There was no epidural, but I needed one. And it was just, it was just not fun. And literally the day we published, I said, I'm never doing that again. And of course, 30 days later, what, what am I doing? 
I'm on the second book. And in that book, my second book titled Romancing Your Customer and where I deal with the customer journey, employee journey, the partner journey, the spouse journey, the team journey, but from the language of romance. So if you think about in your business, marketing and sales is not that different than keeping in mind I'm 60 and from Kansas, so my frame of reference, but that's not too dissimilar to dating and courting, things that happen before marriage, okay? They're pretty parallel, actually. And then marriage is almost when I win the deal, when you sign the contract. We move from you being a prospect, you being a possibility, an opportunity, to you being my person, okay? And when they sign that listing contract, they sign that sales contract, they go in your business, they go from being the marketing, the dating and the courting to now I'm a customer. And and all of us know that marriage is a little different relationship than the dating and courting part, okay? And so, but we need to bring romance into our customer base because they're actually our biggest asset. And then for most entrepreneurs, I'm not personally delivering that romantic experience. My team is. The people who work for my companies are doing that. And so I need to be sure I'm delivering the romantic experience to them because they're going to carry it on, okay, to my prospects and to my team. Herb Kelleher, you know, founding CEO of Southwest Airlines, one of his quotes, which I love, is this. The customer is not always right, which that's totally contrary to what you always hear. The customer is always right. Well, come on. Think about it. The customer is not always right. But the last half of his quote was this, but the customer is always the customer. Okay. And he said, I will not worry about taking care of my customers. I will worry about taking care of my staff they will worry about taking care of my customers. And man, that's a really good model. Not one airline on the planet is able to deliver customer satisfaction scores and employee satisfaction scores of the magnitude that Southwest Airlines does. And so that culture, that romantic love, that's like the love in your house with your wife and with your kids and with your grandkids. Okay. And we know we got to deliver that experience there. And then the, the last piece of the romancing your customer puzzle is leadership. And of course, who's the hardest person to lead? Well, the struggle is always, how do I lead me? Leading others is actually pretty easy compared to leading myself. And so, so that book got me on stages all over the world where fortunate enough to get to speak and, and share the romancing message. And, and now stages got me to where I help people one-on-one and help corporations elevate their customer experience, their company experience to where they make more money and have more fun. And it's easy and fast. Most, the solution most times is not long, hard, and painful. The solution most times is quick, easy, and fun. You just have to be able to see it. And then you have to act. So tell me more about the speaking engagements that you're you're referring to. How many of those have you done to date? Would you just kind of ballpark? So that book came out probably two or three years ago. I've probably done 
25. And how does that work? So a company brings you in or how, how does that work? So to begin with, and, and I think this is a good tip if you want to begin to speak, to begin with, you reach out to people and ask them if they want you to come speak. And to begin with, your speaker fee is probably nothing. And, and so you probably want to do that in wherever your local area is. But you can go speak probably at the Chamber of Commerce, at the Kiwanis, at Rotary. There, there are a lot of places you can go speak. So I'm in the marketing and sales business and have been for a long time. So that's not exactly how I did it. We started reaching out to the big trade shows. And the first year, I think my second engagement was with the Global Gaming Expo out in Las Vegas, which was 25,000 casino executives from around the world. Wow. Yeah. Now, the keynotes were Damon John and Magic Johnson. So they had the entire 25,000. I was in a breakout with maybe 1500. That's it, just 1500. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But but I've also <laughs> I've also I've also spoken to groups of 10, you know. Yeah. And so and speaking is is a lot for some people it's a lot of fun, okay? It's it's not really it's not really a business. There are very few people who can make it a business. But it's it's not a business I really want to do. Because to do it well, pre-COVID and post-COVID, you know, COVID's going to end. Mm -hmm. I don't know when, but it's going to. But the people who make it a business travel 200 days a year. And I, before COVID, you know, we spent, in 2019, we spent 60 days out of the U.S. with speaking. Okay. Not 60 days worth, but I'm not going to China and speak and come right back home just not going to do that and and then another 30 days out of the US out of outside of Fort Worth. So in the speaking business people really pay you to travel not to speak because you got to go someplace. And now there's a lot more of that happening online and I think everybody says the same thing. You know it's not the same. And hey, guess what? It's not the same, but it is what we have right now. And the other thing I think, you know, this is January so we've been home nine or almost 10 months now, okay, in the great stay home, is that people who were angry and upset about being home, at this point, you know, nobody likes change. We've had the change long enough that people are like, hey, I'm not crazy about it. I'd rather, I'd rather get on an airplane. I'd rather go. But it is what we got right now. And so, and so I think people are making the best of it. And I was on a call in May. Mark Cuban was the, the guy on the call. And Mark, obviously, you know, billionaire, super smart guy, charismatic, likable, you know, good guy. Okay. Not just wealthy, good guy. And, but he made a comment. He said, you know, we laid off all these people in March and April in the U.S. We've never added more than 360,000 new jobs in one month in the history of the United States. And so it's going to take three, four, five years to have an economic recovery. Okay. Now, Mark Cuban is a smart, smart guy, but it doesn't mean he's always right. Okay. None of us, none of us enjoy that. And so the Department of Labor, I don't know, within a week after this call said, hey, last month's jobs were two and a half million. So 
seven times the previous record. Now, we laid off a bunch of people in March and April. So, you know, we're putting a bunch of them back to work. Okay. But broke the record by seven X. Okay. And then the next month, five and a half million jobs. So broke that record by double. Okay. And I think that speaks to a couple of things. The determination and the stubborn, I'm just not going to go out of business. I'm just not going to go broke. I'm just not going to lay down and die. I'm just not going to quit. Okay. And I'm going to figure it out. And some industries have been, you know, brutally hurt. You know, travel. I mean, there's just nothing to do with that right now. But but others, even in industries that have, have experienced horrible losses, some people have not. You know, I have a friend who owns a bunch of restaurants. His 2020 was 15% over his 2019. Now, there's a lot of patios. And patios were packed. Yeah. You know, and so that's not the way he intended to run his business, but it was an accidental byproduct, accidental happening. And so I think that, you know, not quitting and that just raw determination of the American businesswoman and businessman that I'm just not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to figure it out. And so people have figured out a lot of things, you know, and a lot of things that once COVID is over are not going back the way they used to. Like, give me an example of that. What do you think? will not go back to the way it was. Oh, I think 20, 30, maybe even 40% of people who occupy commercial real estate for office space never go back to the office. Yeah. I think 20, 30, maybe 40% of school children who previously went to a brick and mortar building to receive their school experience never go back to school. And truthfully, I think that's probably, I don't make any general statements, but I think for the most part, those are probably very positive, okay, that I know one day we sent an entire call center operation who worked brick and mortar home. I can tell you that some of those people who went home, we're never letting them come back to the office. They are so much more productive at home than they were in the office environment, okay, and and I, I know even with me, so I live north of Fort Worth. We're in downtown Fort Worth. It's about a 45-minute drive for me. And pre-COVID, I would never think anything about that. But because I do most of my work from the office at my home, not the office at my building, when I have a 45-minute drive, I'm like, man, what could I be doing in this 45 minutes if I didn't have to do this drive? And so I think many things that we've learned and are learning in this situation, you know, will continue. Who would have thought if you had asked Zoom in January, oh, by the way, guys, you may have to carry, I'll just say the communication of the entire world starting in March. Are you ready? I think the board of directors of Zoom would have said, are you crazy? What are you talking about? That's basically what happened. And, and that's not to take anything away from the other carriers. But, you know, if you haven't been on a Zoom call. I think Where have you been? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like you live in a van down by the river or something. So many of the changes that we had, I think, will turn out ultimately to be for the better. And a lot of that will be at the hand of entrepreneurs. So 45 minutes time, right? 
commodity we cannot buy more of. Can't get a refund on it once spent. You're a man of multiple passions. You're actually, I don't, I don't think there's anything I've ever seen you're not passionate about, right? You're passionate about family. You're passionate about EO. You're passionate about business. You've been incredibly successful. What does Don Williams do to disconnect from the rest of the world to go do, what, what is your passions on, like, whether it be travel or a hobby or hunting or what, 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 are, what are some things you, like, I cannot wait to go do this. That's not work-related. So I love all travel. My caveats are I don't like to go to places I've already been. I like to go to new places. And I have a real warm spot for beaches. And there are some amazing beaches on this planet and I, that I want to go back to, but I stick to my rule of I don't like to go back when I've, when I've been everywhere, I'll start over. And, and so love travel, love beaches. On our month in China, and this wouldn't work for everybody, but an Asian carry-on bag is much smaller than an American carry-on bag. We had 13 flights in 26 days. <laughs> so we made the decision. We were checking no bag because with that degree of complexity – Maybe a bag gets lost, and if you've never been to China, there's not very many people my height or size. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to buy clothes. <laughs> and Taylor Made's going to take a few days. And Taylor Made's going to be on a plane somewhere else. Gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and literally, you, you bring that up. But so we went for a conference. I packed no dress clothes, and I'm a presenter, and my normal uniform, so to speak, is sport coat and shirt or suit. And, and so I packed no dress clothes, and the day we landed, the next morning, I met the tailor, had suits and shirts made, had him ship them to the hotel where I was going to be a different city, okay? And that was my dress clothing for that conference where I was on stage. And so the tailor asked me, <laughs> he was like, what is plan B? And I said... And there's, and there's a lesson in here for entrepreneurs. I said, plan B is me walking out on the stage in my boxers. There, I'd pay to see that. There is no, I'd pay to see that. There is no plan B. He laughed. I, I actually, hearing this, I prefer plan B. <laughs> I would give anything to see that. Well, he, he made it. And so, you know, sometimes when you have no choice but to succeed, you know, you do. And so love that kind of travel, went all over China and Malaysia as fast as we could go. And they're huge. You can't see China in a month, you know, but, but you can see a lot. And so love travel. I am a big wing shooter. So I grew up in Kansas and Kansas pretty rural, you know, you get sat outside of Wichita, Kansas City today, it's still pretty rural. And, and so I, I grew up bird hunting. And I still love to do that. Just last month, I was back in Kansas with a mutual friend of ours, and we were on a pheasant hunt, which we've done a couple of times together. And, and I took a picture of a standing in, outstanding in our field, outstanding in a field in Western Kansas. The snowflakes are large, and so they're in the frame in between our faces. Now, we both have huge grins on because we're just having a ball. And I've shared that picture with 
with social media. And most of the comments have been like, man, that looks like cold. And it looks, are, are you having any fun? And I'm like, you just don't understand. We're having a ball. I you mean, can we, tell by the look in your face on the photo. We wouldn't change anything yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and so I, I love doing that. And I'm big on water. So the beach thing. And then we're fortunate to have, you know, a backyard that we're able to enjoy that way. And, and, I'm, and I'm big on family. So I think I work. Time, time, I think, that's what put us on this. Time, I think, is the only asset that you cannot replace. You can make more money. You can get another house. You can get a new car. You can never get more time. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And so when you understand that, I think you begin to value your time a little differently. So I know that each one of us woke up today with a gift, a presumed gift of 86,400 seconds. How many seconds are in a day? 86,400. That's it. Okay, and so if you put it, here's a good perspective. If if you woke up tomorrow and there was $86,400 deposited into your bank account, just magically, okay, big good magic, all right, $86,400 in your bank account, and you can spend it on anything you want to, but within 24 hours, you have to have spent it all, okay, no rollover dollars, okay, so you got to spend it all. Brewster's Millions with uh, Richard Pryor. There you go. <laughs> exactly. So $86,400. And then the second day, the same thing. A new $86,400. And you have to spend it all. And you cannot save. If you save it, you lose it. And so on and so forth. And if you run people through that exercise, they'll give you real answers for a week. And then they'll kind of run through, I don't know. So I'll, I'll buy a BMW day one. And well, okay, you can do that. You can spend 86400 on a BMW. But after about day 10, they are at a loss. Well, when you look at it like that, that is what your life is. And so if you control, or what I believe, if I control the next five minutes, the next five years will take care of themselves. One of the best quotes I got from my executive coach that I had for two years, and we just finished out two years together, and, uh, and I was ready to graduate and move on. But one of the best quotes I heard from him was, the definition of wealth is having 100% control of your time. I, I totally agree with that. And that is a commodity you don't get more of, can't buy more of it, can't get a refund on it once spent. And... So I'll give a prime example. I have a wonderful lady named Olivia, and Olivia comes to my house on Tuesdays. Now, Lydia has a daughter who's a senior at Nolan High School, getting ready to graduate. And Lydia this last summer said, yeah, my daughter's getting ready to graduate. And, you know, she's thinking about college. And I said, Lydia, bring her over. I'll walk her through where, what she needs to do. Because for the audience, I dropped out of high school. I went in the Marine Corps at 17. I didn't go to college till later. I went to the junior college for two years, did a bunch of really good things there that got me a full academic scholarship to TCU, got a degree from TCU, later went back to TCU, got an MBA from TCU. So I got a lot of experience in navigating the system. So I said, bring her over. So we're sitting there, and she's 
interested in college, but she's kind of like, oh, I'm here because my mom's making me be here. And I picked up on it, right? So one of the benefits of being a police officer for a decade and a half was learned a lot about body language, learned a lot about reading people. And for seven years of that, being a detective in an interrogation room, learned a lot about asking questions to get people to open up and talk. And so we're sitting there going through a couple of little technical things of what you need to do. This is where you go to look for scholarships and so forth. And I finally asked her, I said, what do you think your mom does for me? And she goes, well, she's your cleaning lady. I went, no. She goes, well, when she comes here each week, she doesn't clean your house. I was like, no, she does. That's not what your mom does for me. And she's sitting there like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, I don't understand the question. I said, no. What does your mom do for me? And she said, well, she cleans your house. I said, well, that's one element or a vessel. I said, what else? And she goes, she does your laundry, irons your clothes. She's going through all these technical things. And I looked at her and I said, yeah, technically you're right. As far as the vessel of what you're looking at. I said, here's what your mom does for me. She creates time. Her daughter looks at me and says, what do you mean creates time? I said, see, time is a commodity. You can't buy more of it. And because you cannot buy more of it and you cannot get a refund on it, is you have to figure out ways to create avenues that you have access to more time. And then once I have access to more time, I can make a decision on what to do at that time. Build more business, build more family time, build more personal time. I get to have a choice of what to do with that time. There's also the peace of mind. So what happens to many people is that real estate between your ears is occupied by things that keep you up at night or worry or any of these other number of things that just occupy time that you're not giving undivided attention to the seconds of what you're doing in that very moment because of that. That's just what your mom does is I have peace of mind that I don't have to use any of that real estate between my ears to think about what the shape of my house is in that if I walk into my closet, I know I got clean underwear, clean socks, iron shirts. I, I, I don't have to worry about clean sheets. I don't have to worry about the clean house. I don't have to worry about any of that. That peace of mind, it's done because my time is better focused on building business or it's better spent on spending quality time with my family of not worrying about, oh, I need to go take out the trash or I need to go do this. And I said, and the fact that I'm not having to actually physically spend the time doing that. I get to have a choice of that time. And I said, it's hard for you to understand at 17 years old because you have no concept of time. Everything's provided for you. You're annoyed if you have to get up because of the alarm. You're annoyed <laughs> by all this. You're annoyed you got to go to school. You're annoyed you're sitting here right now. I said, so you don't have a respect for time. She goes, I don't disrespect time. I said, that was not the word that I used. I don't believe that you even know how to disrespect time yet either. And I said, but time 
is you don't have a respect for time because you've, you haven't been in life yet to know how limited it is. And I said, and here's what you have to also understand. I'm a United States Marine, and I have a healthy respect that at any moment, God can punch my ticket in all time as relative at that point and gone. So time is the biggest, most important thing to me in my life. And because of your mother, I am gifted with the choice of what to do with that extra time. That's how important your mother is to me. So while you may have looked at her like she was the cleaning lady that comes to people's houses and makes money to provide for you, she's much more than that to me. And she's wide-eyed and turns around and looks at her mom, and her mom is literally in tears. And she goes, that's my goal is to do that for you. She goes, she goes, Mr. Spann, I see you working. She goes, I don't think I ever see you not working. And I said, Lydia, you do so much. And there is a component of trust that I have in you. You're going to carry that out and do that. And then I want to believe by seeing the expressions of the both of them that Lydia's daughter looked at her in a different light at that point because I wasn't saying that to blow smoke up anybody's butt. I was deathly serious about that because being able to control my time, to run my companies, to run my real estate assets, that I can do it almost anywhere by trusting the people that I have. Michelle and Lynn that work for me in the, in, the, in, the, in the real estate side of it, I can trust what they're doing that I can choose. Do I work from my laptop in Fort Worth or do I work from my laptop in my house in Pagosa Springs, Colorado? Or do I go find a nice little beach where I can look at waves and work from it there? So that element of time when I really fully had a healthy respect for what that meant to me was just mind-blowing. Because that clock can stop at any second. And we don't really have a choice in it. At least that's my Christian beliefs or whatever. Is that there, you know, no matter what you believe or whatnot, there's, there, there is a force out there that can make the decision for you that you didn't have a choice in at that time stops. Whether you believe in God or not or whatever, all of, whatever, whatever, your, whatever your component is, atheism, you step out in front of a bus and you get hit and it knocks your brain out of your body. Guess what? You, time has stopped. So it's that time. And as I've gotten older, I learned, I was like, I, I don't want to spend my time missing out on things because going forward, because I had to look back and go, how much time did I spend missing things? I think about that concept. How much time did I spend missing things? So, yeah. So, you know, a good friend of mine, his basic foundations of leadership are clarity of vision, where do you want to go? Okay. A certainty of intent. Okay. And then the power of values and time. We, we all can estimate our mortality. You know, that great philosopher Clint Eastwood said one time, nobody gets out alive. That's true. <laughs> and you can go to Google and you can say average age of mortality for a U.S. woman. And it's going to give you an answer. Is going to say, do the same thing for a man, and you can figure out how many 86,400 second days you have. And so Warren Rustand, his tenets of leadership under certainty of intent is to 
spend or maybe invest is a better word those seconds with certainty for what you want to achieve for the vision for where you want to go okay and always operate within your values this i will do that i will not do and that is his formula for successful leadership I want to talk about coaching real quick, if I can. Yes, absolutely. So with Lydia's daughter, you had an opportunity to coach, okay, and tell stories it to, to enable that coaching to where she you were able to help her move along her path and her journey. And when you're 17 years old, there's a lot of path and journey in front of you. You know, you just have don't have much life experience. You know, go back to wisdom, good choices, experience, bad choice, all that. Okay. And then additionally, you mentioned, you know, you just graduated. And I love that from a two-year stint with your executive coach. And, and I think good coaches, some coaches want to keep you forever. Okay. But, but I, it makes sense to me that at some point you should graduate. Okay. And, and so... I'll just share this. So I'd, I'd been, fortunately, for the most part, a successful entrepreneur for a long time before I found EO. And in EO, I met this lady who was a business coach, and I went to one of her conferences. And all through the conference, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing this. And I mean, I could teach half of this, maybe more. But, but the final day, there was a lady sitting next to me, and she looked at me, and she said, Don, let's join. We'll get rich. Now, she was pre-revenue, and her business was Japanese organization, which is basically you, you simplify possessions in your life, and if a possession does not bring you joy, you get rid of it. Well, so, but she's pre-revenue, and kind of on a fluke, I didn't have the heart to tell her, my ship may be docked where you're trying to get to, but I said, okay, I'll join. And, and and that was $30,000 engagement. Okay, so not, that's more than lunch money, less than house money, but that's real money. And so, and, 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 and there's some value in that that propelled me towards writing a book. Okay, would I have written the book without some of what I got there? I don't know. Certainly, I credit some of that to actually sitting down and beginning that arduous process for writing a book. A couple of years later, I met a genius. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to do any of your program, okay? What I want is I want one day, one-on-one -on -one with you. And I'll set the agenda, okay? And I'll come in with an empty mind, with a beginner's mind, okay? There's an Eastern concept, Shoshin, a beginner's mind, learning like you know nothing, which is hard to do because you have to set your bias aside. I'll come in like that. I want one day. And, and so he told me I'll do that for $15,000. And one day is five hours. I'm like, okay. And so I flew to California, stayed in a hotel, spent my day, came back unbelievable ROI on that one day. I've not done it again because I, I drained the bucket. I got, <laughs> I got everything there was. I got everything I needed. Would I do, would I, would I do it again? No. Knowing what I 
knew then, would I do it again? Absolutely. So all that to say this. As humans, we think we know everything. It's just a human thing. Okay, I know the right way. I know what reality is, etc. Actually, your brain is not, your brain, my brain, a human's brain is not capable of understanding reality. You know, it's like you have, remember when colors were like, on computers, it was like a monitor would show you 16 colors and then 256, you know, blah, 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 blah. Now we're up to millions of colors. Your brain is like that with life. Your brain will take in this much data. There's this much data in the world. And so it kind of pays to have be, have an open mind because even though the data that you see, you may understand that perfectly well, but there's so much you don't see, you don't know, you're not aware of. And so it pays not to be too dogmatic in, in your beliefs. But a coach, the right coach who can, and, and you know where I'm going, I, I'm a coach, mm -hmm. okay? But a coach, in my opinion, should be trying to help you get from your A, where you're at, to your B, where you want to go. And a, and a good coach will help you do that. A great coach will help you move A and B closer together mm -hmm. and accelerate the time, which again is our most valuable and maybe our only true asset. So I love what you shared about coaching in your life. Love the fact that two years, hey, I, I think I'm good. Okay. Love you. Had a great relationship. I'll pick up the phone. We'll go to lunch. But I am graduating. Okay. And, and then, so you were in maybe the mentee role there. But as often as the case, you were also in the mentor role with Lydia's daughter. And I know you with many people in your life. But... um Big believer in coaching, and it's almost always worth what you pay. Do you enjoy coaching people? Oh, my gosh. My mission in life is to help other people. And so it, it fills my spirit, my soul. And, and because I work on the sales and business side, we bring in lots of money. And so it's very profitable because my clients share you know, that side with me. But, yeah, my mission is helping other people no doubt. And, and I am passionate about it and things that I'm not passionate about. There's a lot I'm not passionate about. I just don't devote any of my time to those things because I'm not passionate about it. But if I'm passionate about it, I am all in all the time. So out of all the beaches you've been to, what's your favorite? Man. Or is that like asking you which child is your favorite? <laughs> a little, a little. I don't know. Seven Mile Beach on Grand Cayman is tough to beat. Almost anything in the Bahamas, Abaco, Exuma, almost any of that is, I mean, I'm, I mean, you can't say anything negative towards any of it. We were in Sonia, China, in the South Indian Sea. Absolutely jaw-dropping breathtakingly beautiful, have some unfiltered photographs that, I have an unfiltered photograph of a sunset in Sonia, China, that Lita, my wife is an artist, I'm not an artist, but it's so surreal. I mean, it looks like a painting. It totally looks, and so, I, I don't know, my favorite beach, here's my, here's my best answer. My favorite beach is the last one I was on. 
There we go. <laughs> Which after 2020, you're like, when can I get to another beach? Yeah, I need yeah. About, I need about a month on beaches. Oh man, I I I I feel you there. There's something about the sun that's coming down on you. Naturally, being a marine, I love the water. Sure, you know, I mean, don't go in the Marines if you don't love the water, right? Because yeah. guess what, you're gonna get wet. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, it's the Department of the. It's part of the Department of the Navy. That's right, the Men's Department. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great meme out where it's got these two girls yelling at this cat acting as your department of the Navy. And the cat with this weird look on his face looks at him and says, why is the Uber driver yelling at me? (laughs) (laughs) But Don, you have a just wealth of experience over 60 years. And we've talked about family, EO, beaches, all your different businesses and time and all these things. If you could you go back to 20-year-old self? And I know there's a good jillion things we would tell 20-year-old self. Would 20-year-old self listen? Maybe not. Maybe so. But if there was that one thing you could grab 20-year-old self by the ears and say, do or don't do this, what is that one thing that out of all the experience you have that you'd be like, just this one thing, please do or don't do this? What would that, what would that be? That's a great question, Jeremy. I mean, there's good questions, but that's a great question. I think my answer to that would be this. Seek input from people with diverse backgrounds, ideas, and experiences in quantity. I think people are going to do what they're going to do, but... But I think most people I know, for me, I'm going to make decisions based on information that I have. And I spent a lot of time in business hiring people who kind of looked like me, walked like me, talked like me. And truthfully, there's probably, there maybe is one too many of me in the world. Two would certainly be too many, <laughs> if you know what I Especially mean. Especially a boxer shorts on a stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So seek input from people with diverse experiences, backgrounds, and ideas. You know what I love about that answer is I tell Aaron, my producer, all the time here, especially the further we go into this, is we've had 20 episodes, of which 16 have dropped. we got a few more that are going to drop. We're recording this series this week, which will therefore start to drop starting in February. And I end every podcast with that question. And while this may be called Winning Strategies Playbook, I tell her, we should probably change the name to, what would you tell 20-year-old self? Because to date, no one has given the same answer. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's candor, right? That's total candor. And I'm just sitting here waiting because I know at some point you can only do so many interviews before there's some overlap, right? And I'm just getting excited, a a little timid, but excited at the same time, like, God, it's got to happen at any moment. And then as soon as I hear something I haven't heard yet, I get excited for the next episode and the next episode. So thank you for keeping the marathon going with nobody said the same thing yet. And of course, naturally, you, Don Williams, wouldn't say anything anybody else has said. So the audience wants to learn more about coaching or getting access to your books or the call centers, the, the many things that you have or learning about EO or what, whatever, what is the best way for somebody to reach out to you? 
So the best way to reach out to me is probably on my website, which is donwilliamsglobal.com. And you can email me there. I'm Don at donwilliamsglobal.com <laughs> and or info or you can do form submissions and all over LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. And so you can find me on social media now, Clubhouse, you know. What is Clubhouse? I haven't heard of this one yet. Well, Clubhouse is brand new-ish. And it's a, it, they're in beta, so they're not, they've not opened it to the public. You have to be invited by someone who got in. I'm not sure how that started, but, and it's, it's a, so, you know, you know, Pinterest is social media with pictures. Instagram is kind of in between Pinterest and Facebook. Okay. This is an audio app. Hmm. Note to self, get Don to get Jeremy an intro to <laughs> Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll want to be there yeah. for sure. All, all of the you know big influencers in social media are already there. And so it's an opportunity to – and I will say this about social media. And, you know, you'll just have to tell me to shut up because I will talk forever. You know, today, more than any time in history – if you're in business, you have the opportunity to be your own media channel. You probably should be. And so if you're not on YouTube, if you're not on LinkedIn, if you're not on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Clubhouse, you probably should be. And not just as a observer, but as a participant. And because today you can be your own media channel. And so you probably ought to. I 1 million percent agree with you. It has been one of the keys to our success with Span Group. Naturally, it's helped launch Winning Strategies Playbook. And audience, even if you're sitting here and you're like, what was Don Williams Global's website? Don Williams global.com. <laughs> and just in case you forget, you can always go to myexperiencerealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. Click on podcast in the top right corner of the landing page. Go down to Don Williams. Click on the read more and you can get in touch with Don. Don, thank you so much for coming, gifting us with your knowledge thank and you your time. Me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. That was great, man.